Okay, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 21. We'll pray. Father, um, exciting chapters in your word. Not a first blush, but we understand that, you know, first blush isn't always the... Uh, our, our take on Scripture isn't always what it should be. But Father, reveal the deeper things of Scripture. Reveal Jesus Christ to us here this morning. It's in his name that we ask it. Amen. How many of you were surprised last week we were talking about uh, going forth to battle, when thou goest out to battle, not if, when. We talked about that. And we talked about the few things that will get a man out of the battle uh, if he's just built a house and he hasn't dedicated, if he's uh, planted a vineyard and he's not eaten of it, if, he has a, if he's betrothed a wife and has not taken her. Uh, and... You say, oh, you know, that's interesting. Curious little factoids in Deuteronomy, the second law. So, you know, we found those things in uh, Exodus and, and Leviticus and Numbers. Some of these things are enumerated. And here they're re repeated. You know, they're curious little traditions. And they're nothing of the sort. One, they reveal the heart of God. Two, they reveal the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the man who's built the house and hasn't dedicated. Jesus is the man who's planted a vineyard and hasn't drink, uh, drunk of the fruit of it. Jesus is the man who's betrothed the wife and has not taken her. Isn't that, wasn't that curious to find that out, find Jesus in Deuteronomy chapter 20? So he's excluded from the battle, which he goes forth, fights anyway, on the cross. Uh, I think a lot of people don't understand, still Christians don't understand, Jesus died. Oh, what a tragedy, what a... The greatest victory in the history of the world. It is finished. The cry of the victor. What has he not provided as far as your salvation is concerned? What you, could you pretend to add to it? Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I think like some of these things, it's like you read them and you're like, huh, the, you know, we, we talked about the cities of refuge in the past. And that's quaint until we apply Jesus like we, the filter of Jesus Christ over the text and we saw it. And it kind of came to light for us, didn't it? And if you don't remember that, if you didn't listen last week, you should, it's online, you should go and download that and listen to that. I think it will be a real benefit. In chapter 21, if one be found slain in the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it, lying in the field, and it be not known who hath slain him, then thy elders and thy judges shall come forth, and they shall measure unto the cities which are round about him that is slain. It shall be that the city which is next unto the slain man, even the elders of that city, shall take an heifer, which hath not been wrought with, and which hath not drawn in the yoke. And the elders of that city shall bring down the heifer unto a rough valley, which is neither eared nor sown, and shall strike off the heifer's neck there in the valley. And the priests, the son of, uh, sons of Levi, shall come near for them that uh, for them the Lord thy God hath chosen to minister unto him and to bless in the name of the Lord. And by their word shall ever co every controversy and every stroke be tried. And all the elders of that city that are next unto the slain man shall wash their hands over the heifer that is beheaded in the valley. And they shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, neither have our eyes seen it. Be merciful, O Lord, unto thy people Israel, whom thou re hast redeemed, and lay not innocent blood unto thy people of Israel's charge, and the blood shall be forgiven them, so shall thou put away the guilt 
of innocent blood from among you when thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Again, kind of curious, kind of quaint. If you find a dead body, a slain dead body, a guy didn't tip over because he had a heart attack, you know, he, he was having trouble breathing, it was very hard, he gets stung by bees and anaphylactic shock set in. No, this guy is slain evidently and he has the marks of slaughter on him. Um, so we, what we do is we call CSI and we get the detectives in. No, we get the priests in there. That's kind of weird, right? We don't know who did it. In those days, I don't care if you get Scotland Yard, if you get Sherlock Holmes himself, they're going to find it out, okay? They don't have the test equipment. They don't have, nobody saw it, nobody knows. So what do you do? Nothing. Oh no, you do something. Thy elders and thy judges shall come forth. Okay, judges that are appointed, uh, that speak of the, the true judge, the judge of us all, and elders that are representative of the people. They shall measure to the cities which are round about. Okay, and the one that's closest wins, right? Well, the one that's closest has some work ahead of them. The city that is next unto the slain man, even the elders of that city, shall take an heifer. Uh, a heifer is a female cow that's not quite mature. And... Um, They shall take a heifer which hath not been wrought with, is it, they haven't worked it yet, okay, and which hath not drawn in the yoke. Uh, you know what they say about heifer cows, heifer cows better than none, right? So that's what we were up against here. And the elders of that city shall bring down the heifer unto a rough valley, which is neither aired nor sown. Okay, this isn't somebody's, it's, it's not somebody's grain field or anything like that. It's a valley. Thou shalt strike off the heifer's neck there in the valley. Some of you have that the heifer's neck is broken, which is more correct. King James, sorry, you're a King James person, I am. Swing and a miss, they just didn't get it right. Uh, the heifer's neck is broken, not off. Okay, this is a bloodless sacrifice. Uh, and the priests, the sons of Levi, come near. Because priests are in charge. Why, why priests? Because God hath chosen them to minister unto him, to bless in the name of the Lord, and by their word shall every controversy, every stroke be tried. All the elders of that city that are next unto the slain man shall wash their hands over the heifer that is beheaded in the valley. Again, where the neck is broken, it's not beheaded. They shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, neither have our eyes seen it. They wash their hands and they declare their innocence. Hey, hey we don't know nothing. We don't, we don't know how this guy died. Um, and they pray for mercy from God. Has this ever happened in America? Now, I know you're thinking like, well, we never find a dead body in America. That would be, you're just going to have to imagine, okay? I'd like to illustrate this somehow, but it's, it's so unthinkable that we, we can't find a good illustration of it. Um, so what do you do in this situation? Listen, we don't do this. This, verse 9, So shalt thou put away the guilt of innocent blood from among you, when thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. What's right in the sight of the Lord? Well, obeying this commandment. We have anything like this. So what do we do? 
<laughs> Nothing. How we put, uh, we just heap up guilt on ourselves. Think about the, I think it was 60 million last I knew about how many abortions have been committed in this land. And by the way, if you're one of those people who've had an abortion, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judgmental. You know, you've got a person waiting for you in glory. And uh, I, I don't have anything to say except it, it's wrong. I think we all know it's wrong. Um, 60 million times this has happened. and Millions and millions have been slain besides. And what have we done to redeem the land? Nothing. Uh, you say, well, Adam, this is quaint and it's, it's nice, but how does this speak of Jesus Christ? Well, obviously, he's the, he's the heifer. He's the sacrifice. All sacrifices speak of heifer. All sacrifices, even heifers, speak of Jesus Christ, is what I was trying to say. And uh, he re redeems the land. Um, people, I was reading commentary on this, and so the, the guy who, the murderer, he gets to go, no, 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 no. He'll have his day with God. Don't you worry about that. Ultimately, nothing is... Nobody gets away with anything. Oh, they may seem to. You know, you, you look and you think, ah, they're getting away with murder. Everyone's getting away. Nobody's getting away with anything. There is a judge over all the earth. And he'll take care. He'll make sure that uh, nobody gets away with anything. And you're thinking, well, I've done some pretty bad stuff. Don't I get away? Well, if you've trusted in Jesus, the it's not that God is... He slathers us in sloppy agape. He just loves us. He don't care about what we've... No, 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 no. He's a righteous judge. Jesus has paid the penalty, and that's why God, our Father, can be, both be um, a righteous judge and the justifier of the ungodly because the penalty has been paid. It just has been paid by us. Praise His holy name. Jesus is the heifer. He's the sacrifice. He's the one who... And we're told in Romans that the creation itself is like, has a like stretched out neck, you know, kind of like waiting for the redemption to come. Redemption's much more than just you or me. The whole earth is going to be redeemed. The whole earth was, was affected by the fall. That's why we have things like mosquitoes and volcanoes and negative things that happen to us. Um, it wasn't like that in Eden. It wasn't like we had nasty poisonous snakes. Or, uh, everything had a wonderful place in God's creation. There was not, it, there's not, nothing that wasn't affected by the fall. Um, it's funny to me. Was Jesus guilty of anything? No. Was he, like the, like the heifer here, was he the, the innocent slayed for the, that others may go free? Yeah, it's, it's very obvious here. But what, what's interesting to me, the elders of the city, they're the ones who uh, are responsible. They represent the people. Um, look at the priests. Are the priests doing their job? Yeah. Are the priests doing their job when it comes to Jesus Christ and his guilt? No, they're the ones who are calling for his blood. Um, so they have to wash their hands over the heifer. Did they wash their hands when Jesus suffered and died? No, Pilate did. He's not a priest. 
Uh, isn't how, see how everything was backward and wrong and upside down? Um, the, the priests didn't do their job. They caused the, 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 the Lamb of God to be slain. Um, okay, let's, let's keep going because we've got a lot of ground to cover. When thou goest forth to war against thy enemies, and the Lord thy God hath delivered them into thy hands, and thou hast taken them captive, and seest among the captives a beautiful woman, and hast a desire unto her that thou wouldst have her to thy wife. Then thou shalt bring her home to thine house, and she shall shave her head and pare her nails, and she shall put the raiment on of her captivity from off her, and shall remain in thine house, and bewail her father and her mother a full month, and after that thou shalt go in unto her, and be her husband, and she shall be thy wife. And it shall be, if thou have no delight in her, then thou shalt let her go whither she will, but thou shalt not sell her at all for money, Thou shalt not make merchandise of her, because thou hast humbled her. Let's, okay, another bite-sized piece here. Let's go after this. When thou goest forth to war against thine enemies, and the Lord thy God hath delivered them into thy hands. Not if. I love that. Now, this is very subtle, but I wonder if, you know, God's called me to this battle. I wonder if I'm going to win it. <laughs> I want you to march around Jericho. Shout, blow the trumpets, every man go up right up ahead of them, and you'll take the city. What happened? Exactly like God said. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to take the city. <laughs> Wait, what? There's no if. And I said before, you think God wants you to fall to Amalekites and Jebusites and Hivites and Girgashites. You have to figure this out. Um... What, God, what is your prescription for the battle? Because it's different for, uh, you know, the Jerichos in our life. It's, it's different for AI. So we have to get our, our marching orders from God. And the battle's never unsure. It's only us finding the Lord in it, doing what he said, and, the, and there's always victory. Adam, always, I, I don't know how else to say it. And if you're like, kind of tell me why God wasn't victorious at this time in this, I just, I just keep, keep on. Remember we talked about last week about fearful nights and the terrors of the night. And we talked about a scenario. Several people came to me and told me about their own situation. I know, right? And what happens? You call out to the Lord and, well, here you are. You were terrified. You thought you might die, but you didn't. Uh, you, Adam, but that was very hard. I'm not saying battle is ever easy. Uh, is the outcome ever unsure? When thou goest forth to war against thy enemies, and the Lord thy God hath delivered them into thy hands, let that, let that say everything it needs to say to our hearts. And thou hast taken them captive, and you will. So you see this beautiful woman Say, boy, I'd like her for wife. Now, it, you don't have to take a wife. Just take spoils to the, to the victor goes the spoils. So your rapacious lust can be visited. Up. None of that, no. We, it, that always happens in war. That always happens in war. Horrible. Unacceptable. What happens to, to war among God's people? No. No, God wants us... To do warfare a certain way. 
He wants us to war like, like Christian men and Christian women. Um, is there a possibility of this happening? Yeah, uh, obviously, and he's got rules for it. You're not going to make her your concubine. You're not going to make her your plaything. You're going to make her your wife and all that goes with a wife. All the dignity that goes in a situation like that. Say, so why do you think she'd want to marry you? She don't have a husband anymore. He's dead. Maybe her brothers are dead. Her dad is dead. You could just say, well, you're on your own. Good luck, sis. But this is a time when a woman without a man is a very, is a very fearful thing. Now it's in America, it's... It may or may not be lonely, depending on the woman. It, it, it may be, I, I think in most situations, God's put it on, a, on a, a woman's heart to be married. Not always, not always. I think anytime you want to take one of us miserable sons, sons of Adam to, to marry, I think like you're making a grave mistake, but if I can't talk you out of it, and I think God does that too, so that, you know, would. <laughs> the race would go on. I mean, you know, uh, I always say, like, you know, a guy takes a knee, and I think, like, that's right, the position of a, a supplicant. You know, you're trying to talk this, uh, this woman into, like, why she should marry you. It's, it's, it's a terrible idea, and you're, so taking a knee is a good, good idea. Um, and I've said this before. You know, the Bible says if you find a wife, you found a good thing, you've obtained an inheritance from the Lord. Her, her price is far above rubies. Can you show me where it says that about a husband in Scripture? Because I've never found it. And I will say this, and I say this again. This is actuarial table. This isn't God. This isn't the Bible. But the Bible knows some stuff, right? If you are a married woman, your life is shorter than your unmarried sisters. You, you, your life is shorter. You get married, you're giving years away, okay? Now, if you're an unmarried man... It goes the opposite. Your life is short if you're unmarried. So if you get married, sir, you are extending your life and your wife is shortening hers. She's actually giving you years of her life. And by the way, a, a wedding ring, a, a diamond, make it as big as your wallet will because you get some sort of compensation has to be in there. That's, I'm just saying, okay? Uh, you know, you, you see a guy and he's getting married and you always say to him, congratulations. See a girl getting married and you're thinking, ay, 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 what are you thinking? But I'm glad. I'm glad in my own situation and I'm glad for you guys who have secured a wife. And by the way, I know who you're married to. You did way good, way above your station in life. Trust me on that. I don't hardly know a guy who's like, really, you're marrying her? I don't, that rarely works that way. It's usually a guy and he's doing, he's punching way over his weight class. Can I put it that way? Anyway, you see this woman, you say, boy, I'd like to have her for a wife. You can do it. Uh, you're going to bring her to your home, your house. You're going to shave her head and pare her nails. What does that got to do with? I have no idea. Is that a custom of mourning? And pair, nobody knows exactly what pairing is. Cut her nails, let her nails grow, uh, paint them. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Nobody, is a, there's a big debate about it. And when you get to the bottom of the debate, I don't know that you've actually gained anything. Because we're not doing this today anyway, right? Uh, you're going you're gonna to shave her head, pair her nails. And she shall put the raiment of her captivity from off her, and she shall remain in thy house and bewail her father and her mother a full month. That's very dignified. You let her go through that grieving process and for a full month, 
And people say, well, you shave her head because then you think, oh, you know, she's a funny looking, she got all these knots on her head, maybe I don't want her after all. I don't think it's got anything to do with that. I, I don't think so. You know, uh, if you read 1 Corinthians 11, we're talking about a woman with a shaved head and it's a shame under her, and you stop mixing what you've got here. That, I think it makes some sense of 1 Corinthians 11. I can't go there now. I don't have time for that. But if it talks about a woman who's not in subjection, if she, you know, let her be shorn, and if it's a... Uh, uh, and, and go ahead and study that in light of what we're saying about here. She, she gets to bewail, she gets to lament for her mother and her father a full month. And after that, thou shalt go in unto her and be her husband, and she shall be thy wife. Again, no concubine, no lover, no wife. All that goes with it misses you. And it shall be if thou have no delight in her. What was I thinking? And then thou shalt let her go whither she will. You let her go where her soul wants to go, whither thou or she will. That's, that's good. King James got it right. In this case, she gets to go away, and she can live in the community. You, there's alimony involved. There's whatever that looks like. Can she go marry somebody else? All that goes with that. Uh, let her go where the, the, uh, she will. You're not going to sell her at all for money. No, 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 no. You're not going to make merchandise of her. You have humbled her, Okay. So, uh, and I think like, well, you know, where's, where's Jesus and this just saying, oh, that's too obvious. That's, that's a softball, right? Has Jesus led captivity captive? Look at, and thou hast taken them captive. Yeah, he's a, our God, he's a mighty warrior. Did he see among the captives a beautiful woman? <laughs> yeah, too easy. Who's that? Uh, that would be you. That would be me. Now, a lot of my... Uh, um, hairy-faced friends, guys, like, I don't know, I like to be a, a bride. Listen, compared to Jesus Christ, we're all girly men. Get used to it. But I say, beyond all that, it's not a bride. Like, it's not a feminine thing. It's, we're married. We're coupled together. We're, there's an intimacy there that, you know, that is second to none. It's only like a, a, a married couple. Because I don't care how good you have a best friend, okay? You know, we, we have friends. Like us guys, we have friends, right? You sh if your friend and your wife are, like, interchangeable, you're not doing marriage right, okay? Your wife is supposed to be your best friend, your, your soulmate, your kindred spirit, if you're doing it right, okay? And your best friend, that's great! God wants us to have friends and wants us to have good friends who can hold us accountable and ain't be afraid to tell us, hey, dude, you're messing up, knucklehead. Stop it. He wants to have people around us who will to, to be good friends to us. But again, there's a, there's a far cry between the good. When, are we Jesus' friends? Yeah. Yeah. He said, I, I don't call you no more servant. I call you friend. Cause, and it has to do with him telling us all it's on his heart, it's on his mind. But there's no, nothing, no relationship like the relationship of marriage, the only one flesh relationship. And um, then we, we become his. And if he shall have no delight in her, don't worry about that. <laughs> don't worry about that. Can I say it another way? Don't worry about that. He's not... 
You know, I mean, think about the, the, the soldier in Israel. Wow, she's hot. I want her for a wife. And then later on, he's like, yeah, I think I messed up. Said Jesus, never, never. So this is Jesus by contrast. He would never say, no, no delight. What was I thinking when I rescued her? No. Let's keep going. <clears throat> if a man has two wives, one beloved, another hated, and they have borne him children, both the beloved and the hated, and if the firstborn be, son be hers that was hated, then it shall be when he maketh his sons to inherit that which he hath, that he may not make the son of the beloved firstborn before the son of the hated, which is indeed the firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the son of the hated for the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he hath, for he is the beginning of his strength, and the right of the firstborn is, is his." Um, you know, this is rules in place, and then God goes through great lengths all through Scripture to break this. Uh, who's the firstborn? Um, Isaac uh, or Ishmael? It, Ishmael or Isaac? Ishmael. Who gets the inheritance? The secondborn. Hmm, interesting. Um, so Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau, who's the oldest? Esau, who gets the inheritance? God, you should be following your own rules here. Uh, so Jacob has a son, Reuben, right? And then the, the firstborn of the wife that he loved, not the life, wife that he hated, and yeah, Scripture uses that word, gets the double portion because he adopts Manasseh and Ephraim. He still doesn't keep the prescription. And there's reasons that Reuben doesn't inherit. The, the kingly line goes through Judah. I think God and Jacob are at odds here. But God and Jacob very often are at odds. But that's a story for another time. Um, so the double portion doesn't go to the one, even if God says that's what it is. The firstborn is not the most important. The secondborn, turns out, is. Isn't that funny? Because your first birth is not that important. I'm sorry, I know, I know you celebrate it every year like it's some big happy event. A sinner was born, yay. And without redemption, a sinner was born and is going to hell, yay. But the second birth, that's a significant one, isn't it? And I think that's what the picture, the typology is here. Let's keep moving. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that which hath not chastened him, and, will not and they have chastened him, but they, he will not hearken unto them. They did all they could. Um, some of you are, uh, are chafing under like, I wish my children were more faithful to the things of the Lord. Yeah, welcome to my life. And don't look at Micah. He's a good guy. Uh, I've said before, you know, Adam and Sue said Cain and Abel. It's just, it's just the way it is. And I know some of you struggle with that. Um, you can beat yourself up if you want, but Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. And the only reason we know about prodigals is because the greatest father of all had his prodigals. So he has a stubborn and rebellious son. His father and his mother lay hold of him, bring him to the elders of the city and under the gate of his place. They shall say unto the elders of the city, This is our son, is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. I know somebody else was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard, but more on that in a minute. 
And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones that he dies. So shall they put evil away from among you. And all Israel shall hear and fear. Someone's saying, boy, I wish this rule was still in play. That's one of our questions on Wednesday night. Um, what do you do? You have a rebellious and a stubborn son who really is a drunken and a glutton. Say, where's Jesus in this? He's the son. He's the one who's accused of being a drunken, drunkard and a glutton. Now, in reality, not in picture, you know, mom and dad's testimony is enough. One, it's the mouth of two witnesses, right? And wouldn't they know? And th had this ever happened in Israel? Well, it did with our Savior, but besides that, it ever happened? Because I have a hard time thinking, you know, I can almost see a dad who would say, I'm, I'm done with him, let's drag him to the elders of the city. But I've never known a mom who will sign off on this, who will say, you know, some, you know, Ted Bundy getting executed. I bet his mom was saying, he's really a good boy, he's just misunderstood. Uh, you know, and I know in his, in his heart he's really a... Because that's who a mom is. That's what moms do. That's, you can't ever get your mom to sign off like, yeah, they're horrible, let's kill them. I wonder if this ever happened in the history of Israel. Like I say, it has. Jesus Christ. He's... he's he is a, a glutton and a drunkard. Interesting. All the men of the city shall stone him with stones. Was Jesus stoned with stones? No. No, he's crucified. And more on that in a minute. But they were trying to put away evil from among them. Right? I mean, and the penalty for stoning, penalty for blasphemy, he said he was God with stoning, but they don't stone him. If any man have committed a sin worthy of death and, and he be to be put to death, thou shalt hang him on a tree. <laughs> I didn't write it. Uh, that's interesting. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt anywise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is the cursed of God, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Hanged on a tree just means hanged on a tree. Uh, by hanging, you can impale or tie up. Or, we're talking about dead body on display. Um, but his body should not remain uh, all night on the tree. You've got to have to bury him that same day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God. You're saying Jesus Christ wasn't accursed of God. Well, we all know that he was. Because we're specifically told in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He was visiting this. He was talking about Jesus Christ, cursed of God. He's saying, really? Yeah, on our behalf. For he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Interesting. Uh, Christ keeps popping up in the most inconvenient places. Uh, okay, chapter 22. But thou, this is an interesting chapter. The, uh, thou shalt see thy brother's ox or his sheep go astray and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt in any case bring them again unto thy brother. If thy brother be not nigh unto thee, or if thou know him not, then thou shalt bring it unto thine own house, and it shall be with thee until thy brother seek after it, and thou shalt restore it to him again. In like manner shalt thou do with his ass, and so shalt thou do with his raiment, uh, with all lost thing of thy brothers which he hath lost, and thou, and thou hast found, shalt thou do likewise. Thou mayest not hide thyself. 
Let's just put them, you know, oh, a new sheep. Wow, great, I found it. And add it to my flock. We'll just hide it away till everyone's done looking for it. Now, you know, we had a new birth. and No, that's called stealing. Uh, if you see your brother's ox or sheep go astray, you're going to take care of it. It's your brother's. If you don't know whose it is, we'll, we'll take it, hold on to it until he comes looking for it. And by the way, do you know what this something subtle just happened? God's putting his imprimatur on private property. So crashes socialism. If you're a socialist, God bless you, but you're not biblical. Not at all. Okay? If you're a neo-socialist, what's neo? New. We ain't doing it the old Karl Marx way. We got a new way of doing it, right? I don't care. My property is my property. I'll give it to who I want to give it. And God recognizes that. He wants us to be generous, but at the end of the day, it's your property, isn't it? And Ananias and Sapphira weren't struck dead because they held part of the money back when they sold their property. They were struck dead because they lied about it. What the whole thing is like, uh, look at I sold my land for 30,000 shekels, and here's your 30,000 shekels. Well, they sold it for 75,000 or, or whatever. I don't, I don't know what land is worth and how much a shekel is or anything like that. But they try to appear more spiritual than they actually were. And Paul, um, Peter says, listen, when you had it, wasn't it yours to do with what you want? Because Peter recognizes private property. But what he's saying is, nobody asked you to do this, and when you did it, why don't you just... Go ahead and give the money, or what? And and if you and if you if you sold it for seventy five thousand, right? And you gave thirty thousand, that's fine. There's no problem there. The problem is lying, trying to make yourself look more spiritual than you actually were, and that's what Peter calls him on. But here, it's his donkey, it's his clothes, it's his whatever it is, right? You've got to return it to him. Uh, thou shalt not see thy brother's ass or his ox fall down by the way and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt surely help him to lift them up again. You're Johnny on the spot. Why do you think that is? Because God wants you to help. If you can. Um, we're on our way to church and some guys broke down the side of the road with a flat tire. I ain't got time for that. Susan, look the other way. Don't make eye contact. We just, just keep driving. No, no, you're going to worship God. You you take care of business. You got to do what God's called you to do. Okay, verse 5 is kind of controversial. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination, the Lord thy God. So now you're feeling condemned because you wore your Levi's lady to church this morning. And hey, look, look, look. This is what I. We're reading the same verses. Let me tell you my take on it. It's got to do with, and it doesn't, it, it's, it's, that which pertaineth unto a man is good. Now, when they wrote this, Levi's weren't a thing, okay? Trousers weren't a thing. Both genders wore robes, okay? If, like, let's say somebody had extra clothes and stuff, and it was wash day. If you put, like, Jesus, when he was an adolescent, his robe on the clothesline next to his mother's robe, you probably couldn't tell them apart. Okay? And in a lot of Arab countries and stuff like that, they still wear robes. Me? I ain't, no. No. I ain't wearing a dress. I don't know. Okay? Just tell you, that's how I feel about it. So, if you're a woman right now and you've got dungarees on or something like that, I rebuke you. No, I don't. No, I don't. 
I think it's the idea of trying to, but some women, some of our sisters, they always wear a skirt or a dress or something because that's what their takeaway is from this. And if that's what you think God's saying to you, do what you think God's telling you to do. I don't think that's what it is. I think what it is is trying to disguise your gender, trying to work in such a way that, and this goes on for everything, not just clothes. It's like there's some, because it talks about like the word is kind of like accoutrements, anything that is mannish, that is made and designated for men. Boy, Bible's not equal opportunity. It is where it should be. It's not where it shouldn't be. God makes a distinction between men and women. Last I heard, uh, I think there was 76 different genders last I heard. That's only political correctness. That's not Bible correctness. If you want Bible correctness, well, if I had $2 for every gender there were, I'd have $4, okay? That's how it works in Bible life, okay? Uh, I don't wear woman stuff trying to portray myself as a woman. I, I don't do that. Uh, and you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. So drag queens reading stories to children in kindergarten, and they shouldn't, biblically, there shouldn't be drag queens. There shouldn't, there shouldn't be drag queens. There shouldn't be people who are trying by subterfuge to disguise their gender. Okay? So all us guys need to grow beards? Well, <laughs> that usually, you know, unless there's a, like a lady in a sideshow at the circus, that usually stops all confusion. And some people I know are more... They're women who don't look very female by just the way they are, and men who look more feminine. I know, I know that. So with that in mind, try to... Uh, you know, and that disembodied voice over the speaker at McDonald's or <laughs> sorry that I called you ma'am, I didn't mean it and I got up to the window and he was very discouraged and I, I okay but he wasn't trying to fool anybody I just, he didn't sound very because he was a young guy and he didn't, his voice hadn't changed yet, you know but he wasn't trying to fool anybody we're not supposed to try to fool anybody. That's perversion. It's wickedness. It's an abomination. That's the word. For all, all that do so are abomination of the Lord thy God. So we all got to go back to robes? No. You, you just don't try to portray as yourself as a man if you're not a man. And vice versa. Okay? Do we have a problem with that in this church? Not that I know of. Not that I know of. But beyond this church... Yeah, it's called gender dysphoria. It used to be a sickness that we could treat. Now it's, you can't touch it because it's politically incorrect. It's such a... People who are helpful don't help at all. You know, oh, I want my little grandson and my little granddaughter to be able to express themselves in whatever gender they... You're not helping anything. Progressive. You're not very progressive. You're going back in time. Uh... 4,000 years ago, this was written-ish, right? Uh, okay, if a bird's nest chanced to be before thee in the way, in any tree or on the ground, whether they be young ones or eggs, and the dam, that's the mama bird, and the dam sitting upon the young or upon the eggs, thou shalt not take the dam with the young. 
but thou shalt anywise let the dam go and take the young to thee, that it may be well with thee. Because you like baby ducks and you want ducklings or, or chickens or, or whatever it is, because they will bless you. They will give eggs or meat or poultry or whatever it is. And mama can go have some more. This is, well, God's a conservationist. He really is. Remember we were talking about trees and the ones you can use in the siege and ones you couldn't last week? That, the, they, that thou mayest prolong thy days, because God wants you to, he wants to bless you. He wants to bless you with longevity, all things being equal. So when somebody dies as a young man or a young lady or something like that, God's not blessing. I'm not saying that. You know, it talks about like obeying your parents, that it may go well with thee. Generally speaking, my son pointed out to me, the, not, the, not Micah, the other one, that, well, how come that didn't work with Jesus? Uh, he, should, he should have lived to be a ripe old age because he was obedient to his parents. It's not a hard and fast. When thou buildest new house, then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof, that thou uh, bring not blood upon thine house, if any man fall from thence. Uh, battlement, a railing, a, a, a knee wall, a, I don't know, I don't know what the OSHA term is. I used to know this back when I was a <laughs> safety guy. Um, Way before OSHA showed up, God says, no, put a railing around your, you know, so you don't have little kids up there in the, in the cool of the day. The top of the house is a place where people hung out. You know, in the Mideast, it's very warm. And, and early afternoon, late afternoon, early evening, it, some breezes coming in and you'd feel them better on top of your house. That's when, don't, if you're on the housetop, don't go down. Because people were on the housetop. We don't live on our roofs very much here. And our roofs on flat. There's a reason for that. It's called snow. You have a flat roof, you're going to have problems, okay? Usually you have to have somewhere for the snow to go. Uh, and the steeper the pitch on your roof, the better it sheds snow, as most of you know. Uh, so we don't do that flat roof thing anymore. But So you have some couple over, and you get a barbecue going up there, and they get little babies. Well, they toddle off the end, and that's no good. And Now you've brought blood guiltiness on yourself, and you're under that, uh, you know, it's, it's like manslaughter. It's not that you're guilty of anything. You're just guilty of negligence and being stupid. And God says, no, you're, you're going to build a railing. You're going to keep the little kids in. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds, lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. Thou shalt not wear a garment of diverse sorts as of woolen and linen together. Thou shalt not... Oh, Let's just do it this. This is about mixing. And the obvious thing, you know, when we're talking about an ox and an ass plowing together, the, the ass isn't going to keep up with the ox. They're different shape. They've got a different gait. The ox is way stronger. The, 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 the donkey won't do nearly as well. And this talks about mixing in a sense of us not being unequally yoked, right, with an unbeliever. Um, you know, people take that and they make it like a race thing. The scripture knows nothing of that. Uh, I would say, yeah, don't marry outside your race. We're, we're one race, the human race. Don't marry anybody who's not human, okay? You don't marry any critters or anything like that. Other than that, I don't think God has a taboo on any, any kind of, you know, could an could a aboriginal in Australia marry an a Eskimo? I don't know how they'd meet or where they'd... Yes, yes, they can. There's no taboo on it whatsoever. 
Uh, but they're a different religion. Oh, no, that's not, no, no, not, no. That's the unequal yoke that God's talking about here. And when it's talking about uh, diverse seeds and stuff like that, let a horticulturist talk about this. I don't know very much about it. I can't imagine wearing woolen and linen together. Wool is very like, you know, they used to make hunting coats out of wool. I have one. It's uh, like hunter green on one side. It's reversible, and you pull the sleeves inside out, and it's that blaze orange. Uh, and it's quite warm, and if it gets wet, it weighs 407 pounds. So you'd hardly be able to stand up under the weight of it. And I can't imagine wearing linen with that. You know what I mean? Linen is like light, breathy, uh, breezy, kind of real, you know, the priest wore linen because they didn't sweat is kind of the idea. Uh, I wouldn't know why you want to mix those together. But you say, I got like a poly blend of, yeah, that, I, I don't think that's what we're talking about. But if you feel strongly about it, again, don't violate your conscience. Thou shalt make the fringes upon the four quarters of thy vesture when thou coverest thyself. Earlier in Numbers, he talked about you put a fringe of blue on your garment. It reminds us of heaven. It's what the lady with the issue of blood took hold of on Jesus. Probably the first man she ever saw that that really meant something to him. Uh, it reminded him of heaven. It reminded her of heaven. She took hold of the garment, the, 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 the fringe, so to speak, and she was healed. If any man take a wife and go in unto her and hate her and give occasion of speech against her and bring up an evil name upon her and say, I took this woman when I came to her. I found her not a maid virgin okay then shall the father of the damsel and her mother take the and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity under the elders of the city of the gate that would be the bed sheets it, it's still practiced in some places in the earth and the damsel's father shall say unto the elders i gave my daughter to this man to wife and he hateth her I gave him my virgin daughter, in other words. And lo, he hath given occasion to speak, uh, of speech against her, saying, I found not thy daughter a maid, and yet these are the tokens of my daughter's virginity. And they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. And the elders of the city shall take that man and chastise him, punish him. Because you can't, it's, it's, you can't say things against people that aren't true. You couldn't do it in the Bible. You shouldn't do it in America. We have laws against slander and character assassination and malicious gossip. And see all the different names we have for it? We can't just, uh, this person is this and this and this and this. It doesn't work in politics. In politics, you can say anything. It's just the way it works, okay? You're not supposed to spread rumors. What if they're true? It's called gossip. And Lord, you know, as you're delivering us from fear, as you're delivering us from bitterness, as you're delivering us from all these things, deliver us from gossip. Some of us love it. We just can't get enough. And it's just one of those things that have no place in the... In the I, I don't think this is a very gossipy church. I don't hear nothing. I don't hear nothing until way after the fact. And everyone assumes I know everything. And I don't know anything. I don't even suspect anything. I tell you what. But we're not a big gossiping church. I like that. By and large, right? But here he's saying, hey, she's not a virgin. She was a virgin. And you're going to chastise him. And what's that? Whipping or you know, beating with rods or whatever the judges say should happen. And they shall immerse him in a hundred shekels. Uh, th that's a fine, okay? They're going to find him a hundred shekels of silver. That's 
like $176 according to my, but that would be, depend on what the price of silver is. And give them unto the father of the damsel, because he hath brought up an evil name upon a virgin of Israel, and she shall be his wife. He may not put her away all his days. You can't divorce her now. Wow. There are times uh, when Scripture says you can divorce, and there are times when Scripture says you can't divorce. So, like, there's one situation. I think it's in a couple chapters. Okay, let's just keep reading. I think it might be in this chapter. But if this thing be true, and the tokens of virginity be not found up for the damsel, because he's saying, I want a virgin. I want to marry a virgin. I've kept myself pure my whole life. And I think it's very important. It's important in a lot of cultures more than it is in America. We'll talk about that Wednesday night. It's true. Then they shall bring out the damsel to the door of their father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her with stones that she die, because she hath wrought folly in Israel to play the whore in her father's house. So shalt thou put evil away among you. Saying, boy, that's a heavy hand. I want to show you God's more serious about sin than we are. Oh, it's just kids being kids. They get a little carried away and... Eh, not in this culture. It's, it's a big, big deal. If men be found lying with a woman married to an husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman. So shalt thou put away evil from misery. It's called adultery. God frowns upon it excessively. When my wife was in the legislature, she tried to make it against the law in Maine. She was ridiculed for her efforts, and I caught some flack, you know, too. Uh, is she doing that because she was asked, because your husband's, like, uh, unfaithful? And she said, no, I got the most wonderful and great husband. And the, boy, didn't I catch flack from that on my buddies at work, where, oh, my, I got the most wonderful and best safety man in the whole... And they were just teasing me hard and stuff. Uh, she... She tried to make uh, adultery illegal in Maine. I think there's 151, 152 representatives in the House. I think 18 voted for it. And it wasn't stoning was the penalty. It was like, okay, you leave, leave, and leave all the stuff intact. Okay, you think you got it better with some other hussy or whatever, go and just go. Your 401 stays here. Your house stays here. Your automobile stays here. Your kids stay here. You go. And it was kind of more along those lines. And I thought that was, because uh, she had some friends who like, you know, he leaves her for somebody else, and then half of her stuff is gone. And, and everything, it's, it's kind of really a, a real bad situation. Uh, there's no penalty in a, in, at all in America. We promise till death to us part, and then we can be a pig or whatever else. And No big deal. It is a very big deal. Uh, you put away evil from Israel. If a damsel, verse 23, that is a virgin, be betrothed unto her husband, and a man find her in the city and lie with her, then you shall bring them both un- out unto the gate of the city, and you shall stone them with stones that they die. The damsel, because she cried not out, being in the city, and the man, because he hath humbled his neighbor's wife, so that all shall put away evil from among you. So basically he rapes her. She doesn't resist enough and... Basically, it's consensual in the thinking of Scripture, and that's, that's no good. They both get um, put to death. Now, think of this uh, for a while, and 
where are we going with this? If a man find a betrothed damsel in the field and the man force her, okay, it's rape, right? And lie with her, then the man only that lay with her shall die. But unto the damsel thou shalt do nothing. There is in her the damsel no sin worthy of death. For as when a man riseth against his neighbor and slayeth him, even so is this matter. For he found her in the field, and the betrothed damsel cried, and there was none to save her. It wasn't her fault. There was nobody around, right? If a man find a damsel that is a virgin, which is not betrothed, and lay, with, uh, t- lay hold on her, and lie with her, and they be found, this is what I was saying earlier. He can't put her away. Then the man that lay with her shall give unto the damsel's father 50 shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife. Because he hath humbled her, he may not put her away all his days. No divorce. You just divorce-proofed her. You took her before. Dad wasn't involved. She's not married to anybody. Well, she's married to you now, and there's no divorce. Uh, I think that would stop a lot of kids from fooling around. I'm just saying. Uh, You're married in God's eyes, we find out, and you're married in the law's eyes, too. You're saying, Adam, you're joking. Only a little bit. A man shall not take his father's wife nor discover his father's skirt. Uh, we're talking about a mom. We're talking probably about a stepmom or something. Her dad died and uh, she's not my mom, but she was my dad's wife. And I get, No, no, it's confusion. It's wrong. God takes a very serious view on adultery. Why? On sex and why? Because he considers it. He, look, he's faithful to us. He doesn't two-time us. We two-time him by worshiping other gods. And he says, that's adultery. You're, you're stepping out on me. You're no good. You're a, you're a I was going to say a bad word here for a woman with loose morals. You're, you're, not, you're not doing right by me. And he takes that very, very seriously. What man of us doesn't? The, the thing with marriage is, is an exclusivity. We say that we take vows. Only you. I don't care. Sickness or health. I don't care. Good times, bad times. It doesn't matter. I'm for you forever. And we, we take an oath. And a few times I think an oath is a good thing to do. We're, we're, we're making promises in front of all our friends and families. And we, it's on tape now. <laughs> we can roll the tape and stuff. We promised. And God says, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a jealous husband also. And all of us who are husbands, we say, you don't have to be a husband. You can be a wife. Just the thought of it boils your blood. You know, if he ever, I would, oh, it would go very bad. And yeah, yeah. Be true to God and be true to one another. And these are the things that we're learning today. Okay, that was a, we, I think we bit off a lot, but I'm only one minute over. So, uh, that, thanks, but let's, let's end there, okay? So it'll be more minutes over. Father, we want to, you know, your, 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 your law reflects your being, your person, your, the way you are. You, you give us these rules and these, and one, they all reflect Jesus Christ to us in some curious ways. We find out more and more about him all the time. But also, Lord, Lord your law tells us what you consider just and unjust. And to us, we may think of them heavy-handed, Lord, but guess what? When we disagree with you, you're always right and we're always wrong. And we've been kind of tainted by our culture. We confess that. 
So help us to see things like you see things. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.